This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Jen Chavez, and this week for Dave Miller. There's only one medication for treating opioid dependence that's approved by the FDA for use in teens, buprenorphine. The Society for Adolescent Health and Medicine says medication is a critical component of treating addiction in teens. But new research from the Oregon Health and Science University finds that the drug isn't being used in most adolescent treatment facilities in the U.S. Here to talk more about these findings is Caroline King, who led this research as a medical student at OHSU. She's now an emergency medicine resident physician at Yale University. Caroline, thank you so much for being with us. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's our pleasure. So before we dig into your findings, you did this study as there is an ever-rising number of teens dying from opioid overdoses right now, especially because of fentanyl. How are young people being affected by this overdose crisis? That's a great question. So um, when we think about kids who are um, experiencing or are part of the overdose crisis, we really are thinking about two things. First, for some kids, um, they uh, end up taking one pill from a friend or taking a pill that they find at home that they think is something else that's actually contaminated with fentanyl. Mm. Uh, this can be deadly for uh, kids and um, is a large there's a large problem in the US with drug contamination in general. On the other end of the spectrum though, there are a group of kids in our communities that are very vulnerable. So these are kids who um, have become dependent on fentanyl or other opiates um, and are also at very high risk of overdosing, but also have an opioid use disorder. And that's those are the kids that our study focused on. Yeah, and so to be clear, buprenorphine is not the only FDA-approved drug for treating opioid dependence. There are three, but it is the only one approved for use in patients younger than 18 years old. So first of all, what is buprenorphine? How does it work? Yeah. So as you mentioned, there are three drugs that are FDA-approved in adults. And so when people think about opiates, they think about um, fentanyl or heroin. Those are what we call full agonists. So um, those uh, sit on our opioid receptors and kind of uh, provide um, a maximum impact to them, if you will. Um, methadone is also a full agonist, so it works a little bit differently than buprenorphine, which is what we call a partial agonist. And so what buprenorphine does is it actually goes into your body and sits on the opioid receptors and it bonds to them really tightly, but it doesn't produce the same effect as uh, heroin or fentanyl. And so the really amazing thing about it is, especially for kids, but really for anyone who has an opioid use disorder, it gives the brain an opportunity to heal um, while social environmental pieces are kind of figured out and going on in a child or adult's life. Um, it it uh, decreases cravings for drugs and allows your brain to kind of put itself back together again um, while you're in recovery. Got it. And my understanding is that this drug is FDA approved for people older than 16 years old. So when would this drug be used for treating kids and teens? Yep, that's a great question, too. So 
it's going to be for children who have moderate or severe opioid use disorder. And so um, this is not a drug that you would start in someone who um, has just used uh, opioid one time or didn't know what they were using. This is for someone who's experiencing the effects of having an opioid use disorder uh, in their life. Um, so may be having difficulty in school, difficulty at home with their family, and really experience that um, tolerance, needing to use higher amounts of the substance to get the same effect and to really feel um, normal. So that, that's who's a good um, candidate for a medication like this. So, Caroline, you set out with this study to see how often residential treatment facilities for adolescents were actually providing buprenorphine. First of all, how did you conduct this research? Yeah, so um, whenever we talk to families about where to find treatment for adults or kids, we typically point them towards a website called findtreatment.gov. Um, so we started there because that's where we send families and we pulled a list of about 350 centers that said that they provided residential treatment for opioid use disorder for patients under 18. Um, we also added a couple other sites that we found that advertised using Google. Um, so they bought Google ads um, to make sure that we were kind of getting the full scope of what families might see. And then we actually called all of the centers um, using an approach called a secret shopper approach. So we um, took on the role as the aunt or uncle of a 16-year-old child um, who had recently had a non-fatal overdose. And we called and said, um, you know, hi, I'm uh, Katie Johnson. I um, I'm helping my sister look for residential treatment for my nephew. Can I talk to you about your program? And, you know, in your study, you found that only one in four adolescent treatment facilities were providing buprenorphine, buprenorphine rather. Most of them are not. So what are some of the main reasons you heard that centers don't carry this drug? Yeah, so... Um, we heard a wide variety of reasons why they don't offer bup. Um, some are similar to uh, barriers in adult facilities, but um, the, the number one thing that we heard was really misinformation about it. So um, we heard things that were just really blatantly untrue, like that bup soaks into your bones and um, that it's more dangerous than fentanyl. And oh, that can wow. kill yeah, and that, you know, some people would say, you know, I'm not a doctor, but I would never put my child on this. Um, to other sites who, um, you know, had really thoughtful uh, challenges in trying to think about providing bup, one of which is that um, in many communities, it's very hard to find pediatricians or family med doctors who are willing to continue bup after kids leave the facility. Um, or it's hard to find, you know, someone who offers that service. And so centers are reluctant to start it. Um, so there was there was a wide range. There were also some really encouraging stories of centers who told us they previously hadn't, but in the era of fentanyl, we're working with academic centers or family med docs or pediatricians, and now we're providing bup and we're having very positive experiences doing so. And Caroline, we just have about a minute left with you, but you know, now that you've identified this gap in treatment availability, what changes do you hope to see as a result of your research? I think that we need two things. We need better regulation of these centers because any parent or family member who is calling a center in the middle of a crisis should be able to call and know that if their loved one goes there, they will receive evidence-based care. 
And um, that is not currently something that could happen, which is just uh, an incredible shame. On the other side, we need pediatricians, family med doctors, and academic centers to provide technical support um, and partnership with these sites to help provide the best care for kids in our communities. Well, Carolyn, thank you so much for joining us today and talking us through some of this research that you've come out with. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I've been speaking with Caroline King, who led research into the use of buprenorphine in adolescent treatment centers. She's now an emergency medicine resident physician at Yale University. Their research found that only one in four adolescent treatment centers in the United States were providing buprenorphine.